Welcome to the Outside Right podcast. Welcome to Football Travel from Outside Right. I'm editor Chris Lee and coming up in this episode. Now, if you go to the green and white half of Seville, uh, even today, and mention Patrick O'Connell or as he's known in Sevilla as Don Patricio, you will hear people react very, very spontaneously to that as to the hero that he was for Real Betty and he's still remembered there to this day. We talked to Alan McLean from the Patrick O'Connell Memorial Fund. Now, Patrick O'Connell may not be a name you're familiar with, but he was the first Irishman to play for Manchester United. He managed Real Betis to their first and only title. And he's also remembered fondly in Catalonia as being credited with saving FC Barcelona from collapse during the Franco dictatorship. Enjoy. The Outside Right podcast. So I am joined by Alan McLean, who was one of the founder members of the Patrick O'Connell Memorial Fund. Welcome, Alan. Thank you very much. Could you introduce yourself then and your work? Yes, my name's Alan McLean, and I'm a founder member of the Patrick O'Connell Memorial Fund, which was set up about four years ago. And it was set up as a result of myself and two friends, Fergus Dowd from Dublin, and Simon Needham from Yorkshire, who met up via Bly Spartans Football Club, of whom we are all supporters. Fergus arrived as a supporter because he'd been over from Dublin to to watch Newcastle United. Their match was cancelled. He ended up in Blythe and became a supporter, contacted me, and he asked if he could set up a Dublin supporters branch of Bly Spartans. Simon Needham had arrived from Yorkshire. He started supporting Bly Spartans when he moved there to work and live. And then he and I have a love of Spanish football, so we decided that we would contact Real Betis from Seville, who always offer a hand of friendship to any club that plays in green and white, as Bly Spartans do. And the three of us got together, started talking. We're football nuts, really. Um, we're, we, we just enjoy football. We enjoy particularly non-league football, but also Spanish football primarily. We got together. But the thing that initiated the Memorial Fund or gave us the idea was that about coming up for four years ago, we were all at Croft Park, Bly Spartans ground, and there was a talk being given by a man called Mike O'Connell. Now, Mike O'Connell is the grandson of Patrick O'Connell. And he was there uh, giving a talk on the life and football achievements of his grandfather. Now, that in itself was really interesting. However, when he mentioned that Patrick had ended up in an unmarked grave in London in 1959... And there was no memorial to his football achievements. The three of us, in a moment of what we thought was madness at the time, decided to set up a memorial fund, raise money and restore Patrick's grave. And that's how the whole thing started. And a lot of people will be asking, who is Patrick O'Connell? So, so who was he? Well, he was a man born in Dublin in 1887. And he started playing football uh, as a, a youngster in and around North Dublin. Uh, 
Now, this is particularly significant because he was born very close to Croke Park, which is the headquarters of Gaelic football. But within Dublin, there was a, even in, in those days, in the early 1900s, there was a great um, amount of football, soccer being played around the, the North Dublin area. And he, Patrick started his playing career with a team called Liffey Wanderers. Now, Liffey Wanderers were a very, very good amateur team. He became captain of that team and played for them, as I say, in the early 1900s and was very successful. He then moved on to play for his first professional club, which was Belfast Celtic, a very famous team of its time. Again, in the early 1900s, he played for them um, 1907-08-09. Now, this club, Belfast Celtic, as I say, was very famous of its time, and he soon attracted the attention of English clubs. He moved, played for Sheffield Wednesday in 1909, mm-hmm. played there for three years, then went to Hull City. He then began playing for the Irish National football team. Now, the Irish national football team had never beaten England on English soil up to 1914, and nor had the Irish national team ever won the British Home Championship. But Patrick became captain of that team immediately, and within a year not only had Ireland beat England for the first time on English soil, but they won the British Home Championship for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Now, this attracted the attention of Manchester United. And in 1914, Patrick was transferred there for the then record sum of £1,000. And he started playing for them. But, of course, at that time, 1914, was the start of the First World War. So his appearances for Manchester United as their captain... In fact, one of only four permanent Irish captains ever of Manchester United. The war intervened. He played some guest uh, appearances for other clubs during the war, including Clapton Orient, which became Leighton Orient. And then after the war ended and his contract with Manchester United ended, he was looking for some new challenge. He actually spent a year from 1919 onwards, playing for Dumbarton in Scotland, which just so happened to be my hometown, uh, one of many coincidences in this this story. He then moved on quickly to play for Ashington. Now, Ashington and Northumberland were just about to join the English Football League, so he started playing for them, he captained them, and then the club offered him uh, player managership, And this is really where Patrick's managerial story started. And and that's probably more important, in a sense, than the playing career. Because after a year or so managing Ashington, he moved over to start managing in Spain. And he first of all went to the north of Spain, to the Basque region, and managed Racing Santander, then Real Oviedo. Now, these teams, under his managership, won many, many trophies, and that was to be a feature of, really, his managerial career in Spain. Mm 
And when he was playing, or sorry, when he was managing in the north of Spain, his success very quickly led him to be signed by Real Betty in Seville. Now, Real Betty in 1932 were a second division team. Within a year or two, he had them winning the second division title. And then in 1935, very famously, he managed them to their one and only ever La Liga title. Now, if you go to the green and white half of Seville, uh, even today, and mention Patrick O'Connell, or as he's known in Sevilla as Don Patricio, you will hear people react very, very spontaneously to that as to the hero that he was for Real Betty and he's still remembered there to this day. Brilliant. And I actually only heard of O'Connell when I was reading Mister by Rory Smith, which is a book about British and Irish coast coaches who trained teams around the world to improve them in the kind of earliest days of, of football. Um, yes. Obviously the Spanish La Liga was very different in those days. Um, why haven't we all heard of Patrick O'Connell? Is he uh, bigger in Ireland than he is in the UK in terms of um, being known, or is it really just football historians at the minute where that may be familiar with the name? Well, I, I think there's a variety of reasons of why his name hasn't been prominent before. I think part of it was during the, um, the, the times when he was managing football clubs successfully mm-hmm. and playing. You, the First World War came along in 1914, so there were more important things for the, for the newspapers. When he went to Spain, um, I mean, communications in the UK and Ireland at, with Spain weren't particularly great at that time. And also we had the advent of the Spanish Civil War in, you know, in 1935. Mm-hmm. And this was a time when he was achieving his his biggest result as a manager in saving FC Barcelona from extinction mm-hmm. because back in the 35 season Barcelona had appointed him as their manager and very soon the Spanish Civil War broke out. Now the president of Barcelona Football Club Josep Suñol at the time he was assassinated by General Franco's troops the, um, the Franco regime froze the bank accounts of Barcelona Barcelona we're going to be made an example, really, of by the Franco regime. So Patrick O'Connell and Barcelona Football Club responded to an offer from a Mexican businessman for the club to go and tour Mexico and North America. Patrick persuaded the players to go with him. They played a number of exhibition matches and raised enough money which was wired back to a private bank account in Paris to save the club from extinction. Now, that in itself you think would be a major news story, but again, it was during a time of unrest. Not only had the Spanish Civil War come along, but also World War II was approaching. But to Patrick's credit, when he came back with um, the Barcelona team, to Spain afterwards, only four of the players came back with him. And he then produced yet another fantastic Barcelona football team, which won most of the trophies available at the time. Mm -hmm. Also, Patrick, from what I can hear, was a very private individual. He, after his managerial career finished in 
1949, he decided to stay in Spain for a while, which he did. He decided not to go back to Ireland. And I think if he would have gone back to Ireland, maybe his fame would have followed him. But he decided to stay in London. He had a very, very colourful private life. And he, I think, wanted to probably hide some of that from publicity. So he he went to London. His family had disowned him. His friends had pretty much disowned him. Mm. And he died destitute in 1959 in North London. So it's difficult to know why such a story was was not heard for such a long time. And another pointer to that is that when going back to the initial formation of the Memorial Fund four years ago, and where Mike O'Connell, his grandson, was giving a, a talk at Bly Spartans, he, Sue O'Connell, Mike's wife, was with him as well. Now, they had been researching the story of Patrick O'Connell for some 20 years and Sue had actually written a book but there was no press interest, there was no media interest and so for someone who'd been going out to the the public domain for many, many years to look for a publisher, I'm surprised as much as everyone why this story hasn't come to the forefront uh, uh, more quickly. And as a result, you, the, the Patrick O'Connell Memorial Fund has been established. And what are your aims? Well, the aims of the Memorial Fund were basically to restore his unmarked grave at Kensal Green in North London. But very quickly, when we started the fund, and it was launched at the Belfast Celtic Museum just about three and a half years ago, we we got suggestions that led us to believe that we ought to look at establishing suitable memorials in places where his achievements, his footballing achievements had been at their highest. And we had great support from this from not only Michael Connell, his grandson mm-hmm. and wife Sue, but also Maureen O'Sullivan, TD um, in the Dáil and the Irish Parliament. Now, thankfully, early days, we decided that we needed to contact someone who had a great knowledge and represented that area where Patrick was born. So we contacted Maureen and she's been a fantastic supporter of the Memorial Fund from that day onwards. And the memorials that that we have established are, are, are numerous, really. The first thing that we did was obviously raise money to restore the grave. Now, that was done with the help of so many people, but specifically the Professional Football Association in, um, of England, and particularly Martin Buchan there, and the FEI and IFA Football Associations here in Ireland, the uh, Sheffield Wednesday Supporters Club, Wednesdayites, and they, they donated money to us as well. We wrote to footballers all over the world, really, um, David Beckham, Gareth Bale, Luis Figo, Johan Cruyff, of course, people associated with uh, with the, the teams that, that that Patrick managed. So really, the main objective was to raise money for the grave. But the other memorials that we have gone on to facilitate, if you like, was um, 
a Dublin City Council plaque in the house where Patrick lived in in Dublin when he in his early days of soccer. Uh, also, a mural in West Belfast. Now, um, I don't know if you know too much about Belfast, but it's full of murals and. Uh, the mural that we ended up um, having uh, put up in West Belfast, which is still there now, is, um, is one which is a cross-community mural. It's all about football and it's all about encouraging young kids to have dreams and aspirations because you know, we, we could point to Patrick O'Connell who was left school at 14, started working in the local mills and ended up saving um, FC Barcelona from extinction. So there was that as well. More recently, in last year, we commissioned a bronze bust from a uh, Dublin sculptor, Joe Moran, and we raised enough money for that. And we, a year ago almost exactly, we took that over to um, Real Betty and we presented it to the club. Um, in perpetuity of uh, Patrick's memory. Brilliant. And there's also a film coming out. Uh, let's take a listen to what Martin O'Neill has to say about Patrick O'Connell. First question, of course, had you, had you heard about Patrick O'Connell? Um, the answer is no, and it's uh, much to my dismay. And uh, well, then I started to read up the history of the man himself, what he has done, what he's done in the game what he did at uh, Barcelona as well too. It's absolutely unbelievable. Could you tell us a bit more about the uh, the film? Yes, the the film is coming out um, very shortly, probably around about April time of this year. And two years ago, we were contacted by uh, a film production company called Mulberry Media. And... Mulberry Media comprises uh, Michael Anderson, who's a, a Danish writer and director and also a Real Betty fan, and his wife, uh, Wendy Anderson, who's a producer, filmmaker and editor. And they got in touch with us and said that they would like to make a film about not only the life uh, of Patrick O'Connell and his football achievements, but also entwine that with the story of the Patrick O'Connell Memorial Fund. And our, well, I started off calling it a journey. I think it's become a voyage of discovery because we've found out so many interesting things about Patrick during this this voyage. And we've been filming in Ireland, in Scotland, in England, Seville, Barcelona, and even Mexico, which was a, a fantastic trip mm -hmm. altogether. And Michael and his crew have been filming us throughout that period. And what the result of that filming is going to be a 90-minute documentary. Now, this is quite a long uh, film, and we haven't seen any of it yet. Um, we're hoping to see the, t the trailer fairly soon it's been done very thoroughly very professional and dedicated way by by Michael and his team and what we're looking forward to is these premieres of the films in the course of the coming year well it reminds me a little bit of this I recently um, carried an interview with the guys who have 
making a film about Herbert Kilpin, who's the founder of AC Milan, and the film's called Lord of Milan. And he was similarly yes. discovered, rediscovered, effectively. Um, you know, his grave was in a Milan cemetery. Um, but it's pretty much undiscovered until a fan found it in the 90s and then kind of the interest in Kilpin kind of kicked on from there. Um, so, yeah, it's very similar. So, finally, where can people find out more about Patrick O'Connell Memorial Fund? Yes, well, we established a website for that and the website is www.pocfund.com and uh, there's plenty to look at there. You'll see plenty of photos and stories about the journey of the fund and also you can go on Facebook and if you look at Patrick O'Connell and then Irish Footballer Memorial Fund you'll find plenty of information there and that, that will give you the, the, the gist of, of our story but I would also recommend anyone who wants to find out more of the detail not only of his footballing achievements, but his personal life. An excellent book written by Sue O'Connell, and it's called The Man Who Saved FC Barcelona from Extinction. And it was published by Amberley Publishing, and it's available on Amazon for anyone who wants a brilliant read on the story. Okay, and include some links in the website as well for that. So brilliant. Well, all the best that and alan and uh, thanks so much for your time you're very welcome thanks again for listening you can find out more football culture features over at outsideright.co.uk that's w-r-i-t-e if you like what we're doing here at outside right do please leave a review on your chosen podcast platform and follow us on social media at outside right w-r-i-t-e look for us on twitter facebook and instagram until next time goodbye